all doing great. It's Friday night, the 5th of March. I know everyone is talking about if you're into fictional films, coming to America is the latest thing. I've been inundated. People have been congratulating me. Let me tell you why people have been congratulating me. Because they believe that I, why people believe that I am in the film coming to America because you have the likes of Wesley Snipes and uh, Michael Black Blackstone. All of them are wearing army uniforms. And I'm sorry to disappoint my listeners and my viewers and my fans. I am not in coming to America. Uh, I have nothing to do with coming to America. So, but enjoy the next couple of weeks talking about Zamunda. As you know, I created my own nation, Laughter Republic, 11 years ago. So I'm not jealous in any shape or form. I'm actually glad for people who are enjoying watching fictional films. Who knows, maybe one day I should produce a film Laughter Republic at war with Zamunda, who knows? But enjoy, but it's not me in any of those um, films as we speak. I am really pleased and really honored. I mean, the thing about these podcasts that I've been doing over the last uh, uh, two months or so is the fact that I've been touching base with people that I haven't spoken to for years. And there's a reason, uh, as a very uh, busy performer, as a comedian, as you know, I have been traveling all over the UK, getting my message across to the British people. And I've not really been in touch with uh, people I, 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 who I regard as friends. I have a very special guest. I, I call him a ghost from the past because I can't remember the last time we spoke. I probably think the last time we spoke was probably about, I'm talking well over 10 years ago. It might be, I might be wrong, but he will correct me. Well over 10 years ago. He's a very, I, you know, distant friend but you know the lockdown is going to make sure we 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 reconnect and today is about reconnecting but the other thing i want to share is that there are lots of nigerians out there who are doing really important things who are having an impact on the communities that they represent and at times we don't get to hear about them because uh, you know either people are busy or it's not just the sort of thing that they want to listen to. But Juwan is very special. Juwan Ogunbe is a London-based composer, singer, theatre maker, whose music draws inspiration from opera, Western art music, and African music. Apart from creating, bear with me, apart from creating music from film, television, and radio, Juwan writes a daily blog, which he posts on his website, www.juwanogunbe.com. He, can also, he also presents weekly podcasts, vlogs that can be found on notable social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But you would have heard me say that he's an opera singer, an African, a Nigerian opera singer. But, you know, that is where I'm going to start from, actually, apart from trying to understand where he has been. He's an African opera singer. And that is something so unique and almost unheard of. Because uh, I remember when I first met him, and you know, I thought he was going to be someone who would be singing Afrobeat or Fela. Uh, and I remember him inviting me to somewhere in Bethnal Green as part of an Iroko Theatre event. And he sang his heart out. And I just, wow, this is different. It sounds really like, you know, how would I bet the best way to describe it? It's, like, it's opera. It's just basically opera. So with no further ado, Jumon Ogunbe, it's been a long time. I am so pleased you're alive and kicking. Uh, you know, there are so many people that are no longer on earth. So we must be grateful that the fact that we've, we we are almost surviving this um, pandemic. How have you been? Where have you been? Why haven't you been in touch? 
I've been around uh, keeping my head down during the lockdown, like most people, I guess. What else can I say? <laughs> yeah, most people have been keeping their, 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 their you know, keeping, you know, a, a low down. But how has the lockdown affected you? Because you're a performer. You're, it's almost similar to comedy. You're always constantly out there on stage performing. How have you been able to cope? How have you been able to maintain contact with your audiences? Well, actually, um, quite a lot. Um, right from early days of the lockdown, um, I was approached to do um, a classical music um, song recital by black professionals. And I did that. Um, there were several other projects I was involved with, like say with the Rocco Theatre Company, um, that we did, um, changed um, and adapted from like being stage performances to be presented on um, a platform such as Zoom. So that meant we needed to change the scripts and like you know make them different somehow. Um, and uh, we performed those. We rehearsed and performed them to audiences on Zoom. And um, then after that, like uh, with Utopia Theatre Company, um, which is a theatre company that does a lot of African theatre, um, I did a, a project that was to do with devising uh, music theatre that lasted, uh, lasted over five weeks and had like an ensemble of like some um, um, professional and some semi-professional performers who were all involved in like devising, script writing, composing, and like rehearsing to perform. And eventually we uh, presented a performance of, of the work we did. So all of that was happening early in the lockdown, actually. Um, and apart from that, uh, I've been doing like my vlogs and I've been doing my podcasts, which are all sort of performance oriented. Uh, in every podcast, I write a script, and I write a short song, which I perform. I then like practice, perform, uh, put together uh, in the vlogs. Similarly, I write a script, and I also write a short song, which I practice and then sing within that um, presentation. Um, so I've been sort of performing, but just in a different way. Mm. So the the V blogs and the podcast is that something you were doing before the lockdown? or as a result of the lockdown? Well, I was right. I write a daily blog that goes on my website at www.jumaogumbe.com. But it was on the cards that I was going to start podcasting. But I just needed some time to get to grip with the software that I was going to be using mm -hmm. to do it, or the app that I was going to use. Um, and I didn't really have a moment to pause before the lockdown happened. So when it happened, then suddenly it's like, okay, here's an opportunity to get into that. Mm -hmm. And so it was from then that I started. So now I've done 49, 49 podcasts. Wow. And what's the name of your podcast? Multiverse. Multiverse. Okay. And so you do them weekly? Is that what you do? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's talk, let's talk about your opera singing. And uh I'm interested. Why? Why opera? Why not Afrobeats? Why not pop? Why not R and B? What's What's your background? What influenced you to go into opera singing? 
Well, I mean, I'm attracted to performance in a wide sense. Um, I um, have always liked classical performance. And by that, I don't just mean classical singing. It could, I like classical acting. I like seeing Shakespeare productions or, you know, or Greek tragedy or whatever, mm. uh, or ballet or mm. all those sorts of things. I, I enjoy them. And um, I've enjoyed them from not from like yesterday, right from when I was at school. And like I always wanted to be in things like that when I was a kid. And so it's just something that's been part of my sort of journey of development. And um, I started like making my own sort of music theatre pieces and dra um, music drama pieces. And um, I've been like studying singing. Um, and the singing teacher came and saw one of my performances and she said, you should join an opera company. So I'd already been like studying singing, but then the next stage was to actually go and, you know, be in operas and perform them. Mm -hmm. So where the, the influence to go into opera singing, was that when you were in Nigeria or, or when you were in the UK? In Nigeria, um, I think, well, nowadays, I think it's different. I think people like, say, teenagers and people in their 20s now probably have more access to that sort of stimuli than they had like when I was a teenager in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. But having said that, we did have like exposure to some of, well, what I call the repertoire. In other words, like the music, the actual, well, you could say like the musical literature, as in like the songs or whatever, that classical singers would sing. So we, I mean, I was familiar with some of that music when I was in Nigeria, in secondary school, but um, there was no one, there was no um, expert, there was no singing teacher who could say, well, this is how you do classical singing, mm -hmm. if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think nowadays, maybe some of them have, maybe there are some people like that in Nigeria, or in Lagos in particular, mm -hmm. probably more people like that than those days were, my days. Mm -hmm. my time so so right now in nigeria there, there is is there a market for classical singing do you do any exchange programs have you ever been to nigeria to, to, to perform classical singing no i haven't actually been there to do anything remotely classical mm -hmm. the last time i performed in nigeria was good god 20 it was 1999 wow um, and um in those days i was still a band leader mm -hmm. and so I was performing my music which was like influenced by you know lots of stuff like including afro stuff I don't mm -hmm. know not afro as such but mm -hmm. you know like, I guess like it could be maybe like Manu Dibango or, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. this type of artist or whatever um my music was like that with a jazz element mm -hmm. um Although I was already studying classical singing, I was already performing opera at that mm -hmm. point in time. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't do that. Although what I did do, though, was that because my, um, my, my music teacher from secondary school um, came and saw me perform. And she said, you must come and sing in my church. And her church, she was like the music director at uh, the Chapel of the Healing Cross in Idiaraba, which is like, it's a massive one of the mega churches i think uh, in lagos like where a lot of elites go to mm -hmm. and um they asked me to come and sing like 
arias from like Handel's Messiah in mm -hmm. that. So I did some classical singing in that context. Wow. That, in, in that particular visit, yeah. And, and what was the response like? I suspect the, 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 your audience were people who understood classical singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there were people that have apparently that I heard oh, there's, this, there's, this, there's this guy <laughs> who sings, um, who's a proper classical singer, mm -hmm. and he's around and he's one of us. And like they came, like, you know, sort of old military guys and all sorts of people that turned up. Wow. You know, to him, you know, it was kind of interesting. Wow. Wow. And, and and you 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 have obviously haven't maintained you've maintained contact with them. What I'm trying to figure out is whether there's still a market for classical singing in Nigeria. Well, I think there's probably more of it now than there was back in the day. Okay. Although okay. I mean I don't know that you can make a a proper living from being a classical singer in Nigeria though. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. think you could do it like you could do you would do it in Europe or United States or, mm -hmm. or somewhere like that. No. Mm -hmm. Um but well like even south africa where there are quite a lot of them mm -hmm. um i think they still have to leave south africa to go elsewhere mm -hmm. to have a decent sort of like career as a mm -hmm. singer mm -hmm. you know um but the point is that that uh, it's a bit like there's that thing with the ballet i don't yeah. know if you saw um those children or that kid that was yeah 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 the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the video went sort of viral yeah 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 well, I mean, that sort of thing, um, there's that, well, it's kind of inspiring to people that there are people that can do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, I think we still need to find a way to make it speak to um, wider kind of sectors of the public so that it's not, well, if you could go there and sing Mendelssohn or, Schubert or whatever it is, mm. um, it's kind of a bit too far removed from the culture of the people. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think if there's more music that is kind of, well, that comes from, um, that comes that comes from the aspirations and the lives of the people, and there are people that sing with that technique, yeah. then I don't think there would be an issue with it. It's like, mm. well, you have a soprano who's singing um, a Yoruba folk song or singing mm. whatever with the right kind of accompaniment. Mm. I don't see why that can't be like very popular. It could be, mm. you know, it just depends. It's like, well, I mean, in a way like classical singing is a bit like, it's singing, it's singing, it's a bit like acting, it's like saying like Ben Kingsley, for example. Mm -hmm. Ben Kingsley is a fine classical actor, mm -hmm. but he was in Steven Spielberg movies, he was like mm -hmm. in Schindler's List, mm -hmm. he was in all that stuff, yeah? Mm -hmm. You know, or there are lots of other people like that, you know, that we, as you could mention, mm -hmm. that um, had great careers as classical performers, but mm -hmm. also did contemporary things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the next, stage of development for us mm. to use our skills and make them make sense mm. to our people you know in a far and wide sense mm -hmm. so do you see thanks for that that's really um informative do you see classical music for example classical singing what i'm thinking of is uh could you do uh a fella song and, and singing in the classical way 
I think it has to be the right one, the one that kind of that lends itself to that kind of approach. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are some things that if you do it, it's going to sound like silly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and that could be from any form, any kind of performance style for another. It's mm. not necessarily just the classical thing, because sometimes mm. people want to laugh at that classical style. Mm. But then I'll give you an example. Um, Liza Minnelli. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of Liza Minnelli? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like Liza Minnelli um, did a version of uh, Beyonce's, um, what's that one? Um, put, a fi- put a ring on it. Yeah, put a yeah, ring on it. yeah, yeah. And, you know, like with that Broadway kind of belting stuff. <laughs> and it's like really kind of funny, you know, because, you know, it just doesn't feel right. But, you know, I love Liza Minnelli as a singer. But yeah. there was something that was a bit awkward about her singing that Beyonce song in that way. Yeah. So I think it's a similar thing that mm. if you choose the right Bella song, mm. A song like maybe Palava, mm-hmm. I can imagine Palava could work like mm-hmm. as, a, as a, in the classical way. Yeah. If someone sang that, yeah, it, could, it might work. Mm. But it's not, it's not something that you've considered. Well, I mean, like back in the day, um, earlier in my career, I used to do a lot of stuff, you know, playing music of like Nigerian um, music, uh, musicians who were kind of well known from the past. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that Fela was ever somebody that I kind of put on the pedestal beyond other Nigerian musicians. Mm-hmm. So I would have like Ebenezer Day, I'd have mm-hmm. Sanya Day, mm-hmm. I'd have all that kind of stuff um, and Fela mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. and like, sing those songs and play that music. Mm-hmm. But um, nowadays, I don't really do so much of that. Yeah, cool, cool. We, we all move on. We all have uh, other things that influence us. Um, in terms of your family members, your parents, how did they react to you going on this classical singing journey as a as a as a full time job? You know how parents are; they they tend to want you to be a lawyer or a doctor, or you know, <laughs> have a a proper job, as they say. Well, I had a struggle like with my family for a long time. Well, for as long as my father lived, really, I think. Mm. Uh, my choice of career, you know, mm. I, I let the side down, as it were. Mm. Um, but we all have our lives to live, mm. you know. My father lived his life, and I'm mm. living mine. Well, what did he want you to do? My father was a lawyer, and he wanted me to be one too. Oh, and you would have made a very good lawyer, but... <laughs> don't you think? Well, I mean, I didn't have a because I mean, like when I, I, I entered university when I was fifteen, so. Um, you did what? You got into university at the age of 15? Yeah, so like at that time I had to study basically, you know, I was basically a minor. Um, I didn't have any rights, legal rights. Mm-hmm. And my father said, well, I won't pay for you to do anything or whatever if you don't do what I expect from you. Mm-hmm. So I did study law for several years. Oh, wow. Uh, in, in Ife. So, okay. I mean... And it was not like I couldn't do it or I couldn't pass the exams or anything like that. You know, that was well within like my scope. Um, and actually, to, I mean, there were some things within um, some aspects of law that I found interesting, you know, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't the path that I could, well, I didn't see myself doing it. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't something that was not a way that I wanted to live my life. 
So do you think you are now doing your passion? You're doing what you were called on earth to do. This is your calling, classical singing. Well, I don't only do classical singing. I'm, I'm a composer. Yeah, I, okay. Um, you know, I write. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a theatre maker. Mm -hmm. I, I do a lot of education mm -hmm. type work. You know, mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I think my calling is probably to be a sort of a create um, a creative person, somebody mm -hmm. that creates. Mm -hmm. You know, because the classical singers are basically interpretative artists. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they they perform music that's already been created by someone else, mm -hmm. and I mean, like their skill lies in how effectively they, pre, you know, they portray or make their renditions how effective they are. Mm -hmm. right? Now, that was something that I felt I needed to do mm -hmm. for myself, just the part of me that wants to feel that I have that ability to do it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my primary kind of... Um, What's the word here? My primary act is to create. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not somebody that is really going looking for other people's music to perform. Mm -hmm. You know, my I would be I'm I'm much more likely to make my own music mm -hmm. than I sort of you know to want to be kind of making a career out mm -hmm. of forming other people's music. Mm -hmm. Where do you draw your inspiration from? In terms oh, of your rights. So when lots, you're right lots and lots of different things i mean there isn't just one um thing but i would say that there's maybe like a sense of like cosmology about it by that i mean um the inner worlds of people of people mm -hmm. so um you can say that there's a world of like sort of Abrahamic religions as in Christianity, Judaism and Islam, mm -hmm. you know, which is something that a lot of people sort of cling on to mm -hmm. and say, well, this is, this is the way things should be. Mm -hmm. Now, people in like Asia, people in India or, or China or Japan might have different opinions. They mm -hmm. don't necessarily follow those ways of thinking mm -hmm. and i believe that amongst people of african descent we don't give enough time to all the kind of the thinking the cosmology the the philosophies the ideas that were handed down to us by our forebears the mm -hmm. inner world of our forebears we don't give them enough time or we we're kind of like wary of them or we we've been told by Christian missionaries or Islamic, you know, um, missionary, um, Islamic um, alphas or whatever, that they're somehow evil or satanic or whatever. Um, and I disagree with that. You know, I personally feel that they are as um, valid ways of explaining um, the way we ex came to exist in the world as any other. So, for example, the world of um, Ifa or the world of Santeria, mm. which is, you know, Ifa is kind of connected to Santeria as it's mm. practiced, mm. like in the diaspora in like South America and the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. 
or the world of voodoo mm-hmm. or the world of even Rastafari. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not um, an adherent of Rastafari, but I believe that, you know, that it's an inner world thing that is valid, you know, and all of those things should be things that we should be kind of looking at to, um, to I don't know, to feel more sort of confident within ourselves, to trust our own selves, to trust our inner selves, trust our intuition, yeah. what our minds are telling us. Because if we can't trust what our forebears were thinking, mm-hmm. how can we trust ourselves? Yeah, that's really deep. Do you think... Um... No, I actually believe that Christianity has played a part, isn't it, in changing people's views about embracing the inner world? Well, yes, yes. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I don't really have that much to say about that because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm anti-Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In some ways, I am. I'm more of a Christian than anything else myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my my initial terms of reference in any situation will probably be more Christian mm-hmm. than anything because that's where I've been brought up. Mm-hmm. But um, as an artist, my interest is in all these worlds of the things that Black people were thinking of in the past. Mm-hmm. Black people's ways of explaining how we came to exist, mm-hmm. what we're all about, what, yeah. what is, what's in the world, how mm-hmm. does the world function, mm-hmm. what is the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, what do black people have to say about that? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the black narrative. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really deep, because that's not something I've um, really thought about <laughs> personally. Um, and the fact that you use that as a way of... Um, getting the work that you do done is really interesting um so what's what's the plan for the future because the roadmap is when i say the roadmap the british government will soon allow us back into society some of us will have to be rehabilitated what have you got (laughs) what have you got lined up for the for 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 the foreseeable future, if we're allowed to start performing again? Well, imminently, and when I say imminently, I mean within the next two weeks, a week, well, a fortnight from today, mm-hmm. I'm launching a new EP. Okay. Now, that EP is called Glisten and Burn. Yeah. And um, a single has been released from the EP called Samedi is Saturday. Yeah. And they are centering on um baron samadhi who is like a spirit or a lua okay from the voodoo faith okay and the whole idea is that he is like the sort of the lua of the um of, of the that liminal space in between being dead you know that moment like sort of like when it's almost like is this person going to really cross over or are they going to have to stay on earth, earth? yeah you know um and so like baron samadhi decides yes it's your time so i'm going to show you where you go when your spirit leaves like the earth plane or 
no, it's not your time yet. You've got to mm-hmm. stay on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Baron Samadhi's role. And so, like, in the con- context of this whole pandemic and all of that, it, um, I had this idea that well, Baron Samadhi could, like, um, deal with, like, several sort of conundrums mm-hmm. or situations, problems facing people. Mm-hmm. So I came up with some problem scenarios, mm-hmm. you know, that Baron Samadhi could, like, um, offer advice about. Um, and that's what Glisten and Burn is all about. It's wow. basically an EP, a collection of, of songs based on that idea. Okay. So for, for my listeners and viewers, just in case they don't know what EP means, what does EP mean? It's an extended player. So it's like, it's not a full album. It's like maybe about five songs as opposed to like maybe 10. Okay. And that's yeah. something that, and that's something that they... a single would be one or two, wouldn't it? So like, you know. Yeah. Okay. And they yeah. can, they can download that on digitally. They can download that. Yeah. So like the single, Samedi is Saturday, is available already like on streaming platforms such as Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple Music, and all those places. Um, so you can get to hear it. You know, or if you want to like you know support the artist i.e me you know you can go to like Bandcamp, yeah uh, and uh pay like one pound or whatever to buy it to download it mm-hmm. um but also um the uh, ep is i'm not releasing the ep on all those streaming platforms it's only going to be available on Bandcamp. so um you if you go to Bandcamp you'll be able to hear hear it maybe a few times. But after that, if you want to hear it again, then you need to pay mm-hmm. to, to download, to mm-hmm. download um, the files. Mm-hmm. As a performer, would you see yourself as a performer who works on his own or do you collaborate? Do you have projects that you collaborate? I know you, you've worked with Iroko, but when you look at your career, has it been more collaborating with other uh theater companies or music singers or are you just stand alone i think it's been a combination of both really i can't say that i've only been one one or the other mm. um like i would be doing things like working with a theater company such as iroko or mm. maybe uh, more mainstream or large mm. theater companies or like well for example the last time i saw you in person was in st albans at trestle oh really um yeah that's when i saw you in person last um, when i was working on a show there um now like i could um do that kind of work and at the same time be practicing rehearsing to do a one-man show or do like a song recital in which I'd be performing with just a pianist accompanying me or whatever. And like that, so I'm always kind of dipping in and out of these things like that. And that's the way my career has been, I think. Yeah, I remember that. Wow. That, I remember the theatre. That, that's, yeah, very expensive theatre, I thought. Because I was planning to use that as a, a place for comedy, but uh, too expensive. Well, yes, it's uh, it's not um how can i put it it's theaters are expensive yeah i mean proper theaters as mm-hmm. opposed to you know like a club type place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah proper theaters are expensive yeah. and so i mean i'm not surprised to hear that 
no, no, no. I because I I loved I loved the venue, and I thought I could yeah. But and that brings me to the question about uh, the theater world, uh, which I am curious about. Um, but you don't have. I'm sure you correct me if I'm wrong. There are not that many black theater owners in the UK. You mean owners, or people who actually own the bricks and mortar? Yeah, yeah. Or, so you mean who own like premises, theater premises? Yeah, people who run shows for black voices. You know, they own the venues. Um, I'm not aware. Maybe there was one in um, Crouch End. I, I don't know if you know someone in Crouch End. Very small. Actually, I wouldn't even call it a theater, but it was a small. It was a small theater space. I can't remember. Moore's Bar. Moore's Bar Theatre. Don't know if you've heard of it. No, I've yeah. never heard of that. Never, yeah. But um, I would say, like, a lot of theatres are not owned by individuals anyway. They're owned by companies. They're owned by limited, by guarantee companies that have trustees and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, regardless. So, unless if you're one of those kind of, like, megabucks type, producer types like Cameron Mackintosh or or Andrew Lloyd Webber or mm. um, Saul Moss or whatever that size or those people they're the ones who own loads of theatres through mm. their company mm -hmm. yeah not just that they don't just walk in and say this is my theatre you know I'm mm. going to sleep here tonight you know what I mean it's like, <laughs> it, it's like they are owned by the companies that they that they are the chief executives of mm. as it were mm -hmm. yeah um i guess it's kind of an area well that, it's kind of linked with like theater producing and being impresarios and that mm -hmm. type of thing mm -hmm. i don't know that we've had very very successful black um theater impresarios stroke producers in britain mm -hmm. like in recent years to be honest there were like some theater companies that had premises in the past, mm -hmm. like um, African players, mm -hmm. that guy called Kaduru Madi, mm -hmm. like he had a space, we used to go and rehearse there and mm -hmm. all of that. Um, I don't think he owned it again, I think it was, it must have been like with trustees and whatever, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Talawa, Talawa had like, in, at some point in time, mm -hmm. had some well they'd have like office space or whatever they're not proper theater a theater mm. that is like this is their own space mm. yeah mm. um there might be some space I, I think out of london there's a dance company called ace african yeah. cultural exchange mm -hmm. they have their own building mm -hmm. but again i don't think the people that are, that are running that company mm -hmm. can say well this is my property mm -hmm. it's the property of the company mm. yeah yeah mm. and i remember I, I just remembered now when we're talking about um spaces uh i'm sure you remember that i used to, at one point i used to paint uh, i thought yeah. i was going to be the next van gogh <laughs> yeah, still got some of your paintings here. seriously wow yeah. and um oh wow and uh i remember you 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 helped me get into the commonwealth institute uh, you might not remember this. I had an art exhibition at the Commonwealth Institute because you put me in touch with whoever was running 
the space at the Commonwealth Institute. And I had a, an attitude. Was it the Commonwealth Institute or Commonwealth Club? I can't remember whether it was the club or the institute, but it was done down. It, it was council. It might be Commonwealth Club. Yeah, yeah. So are you still yeah. in touch with them? Well, I don't know that that club still exists, to be honest. Because yeah. um, there's, the there's a Commonwealth Club. The Royal Commonwealth Society yeah. exists. Okay. But the Commonwealth Club, which was like their sort of like watering hole, yeah. I don't know if it exists in the same way. Wow. Um, but the lady that was, well, she was in charge of the programming then, uh. Olivia White. Yeah. She's still very much around. Oh, but she okay. doesn't she's retired from that now she still yeah. does things but she's not working with that at the moment yeah well wonderful space white walls it was brilliant i had a good uh, a good reception and the other place i know that you i don't know what's happened to them is it the african center used to be in covent garden i don't know whether you did anything with them i'm trying to remember now but well through the years i did lots of things at the african yeah yeah center. but was it in fact, I performed at the Africa Center on the last night of their end of their programming in in Covent Garden. Yeah. So where are they now? They've just gone really quiet. Well, they went quiet, but I'll say, I wouldn't say they're quiet now. I mean, they were quiet for a long time after mm -hmm. the after the premise, premises were sold. Mm -hmm. But then they moved into a building near Southwark Station. Mm -hmm. Now. That's kind of Waterloo area. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so they have a building there now, but it's not the same. Like, it's just become a completely different organization, to be honest. Mm, yeah. They're there, there um, and they still have their programming, and I guess they're engaging with like um, a different sector now, a different segment mm. of the African population. So, all mm. those people that used to go to the Africa Center back in the day, the mm. Covent Garden, era mm. are not really part of what goes on in the africa center now wow. and like the african center of now does not have a hall a performance hall like comparable to the mm. one Garden. oh that was the Covent garden the african center in comedy was great i remember they had this i think they had a bar downstairs before you went yeah. up yeah yeah fantastic bar and restaurant. yeah a bar and restaurant yeah what a shame Actually, that's where I actually proposed. I took someone there and I proposed <laughs> okay. in a restaurant. <laughs> took her to an African restaurant and I gave her a ring <laughs> and she became my wife. How could I have forgotten that? <laughs> okay. Sorry, say it again. I said, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember. I just remembered now. <laughs> ah, that is, that's interesting. Look, Juan, it's been fantastic uh, touching base with you. You you look well. You 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 you. you do you, as far as I'm concerned, you're doing well. Anyway, you know, if we can survive this pandemic, we've done well. We've done uh, extremely well. Where can my people find you, uh, apart from your EP? What are your social um, handles? Social media. Okay, handles? starting with my website. My website is www.juwanogungbe.com. Yeah. I would say the next port of call. Should be my Bandcamp page, mm -hmm. which is www.juanogungbe.bandcamp.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you can follow me on Twitter, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my name on Twitter is my nickname for my teenage years is Jim Vaughn. So that's J I M D O N. Yeah. So at Jim Vaughn. Although if you put in my name, Juan Gungbe, I'm sure it will come up. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook, Juan Gungbe, like there's two accounts there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Instagram, I'm Oye Jumo mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, there are loads of others. There are loads of others, but those are the main ones. I, 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 I'm interested to find out why Jim Vaughn. Why, why, why that nickname, Jim Vaughn? Why they give you Jim Vaughn? Well, what happened was I wrote a letter in Lagos where we we had a band in mm-hmm. University of Lagos, and um, I mean I wasn't actually in uni, uni like I was in, mm-hmm. in Ifed, but like these were guys I went to school with, and like mm-hmm. I used to travel down to Lagos to, mm-hmm. to um, rehearse with them. I wrote a letter to like a management company in England, mm-hmm. saying that we were looking for management. Mm-hmm. And they actually took the trouble to write back to me, mm-hmm. and they got my name wrong, and they wrote <laughs> Jim Bond. That's how. Because <laughs> they couldn't spell the the, the Ogunbe. Is that correct? No, because they couldn't spell Juwa. Oh dear, oh dear, that is a that's comedy gold, Jim Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's really funny. And I think on that note, we shall end the podcast. Look, Juwan, it's been a pleasure. I, I like I said, I know you you're very busy. It's been a pleasure, and I feel really honored and privileged for you to have joined my podcast. It's well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, your, your excellency, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you do. Um, you have no choice because if you hadn't called me. His Excellency, you could actually call me Her Excellency as well, since we're now in the world of pronouns. <laughs> okay, him, her, they, yeah, him, they, whatever. But look, yes. uh, seriously, it's been it's been fantastic to hear your journey and you know um, reflections. The bit that I found really interesting is the inner world, because I never really, you know, I call it the spiritual world, but mm-hmm. I, I've never, you know, whether that really has an impact on how I do my comedy. I really don't know, but I, I need to reflect on that because I think that's that's really powerful what you you, you said about the inner world and how uh, it's it's good to hear the black voice and the narrative and what our founding fathers were thinking of. Because um, for me, a lot of the history has disappeared, uh, really, really disappeared. And uh, and that's where we have the likes of you. Well, I think, I wouldn't say it's disappeared. I'd say it's kind of like, it's suppressed. It's, rep- okay. it's it's repressed and suppressed. Mm. It's there. Mm. Like if you go like on online and you yeah. want to find out a zillion things about Ifa, mm-hmm. you'll find that the Cubans have written so much about it. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing that the Cuban stuff about Ifa and Orumila mm-hmm. and whatever is actually more. Um, it's easier to read. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like more relatable. Than mm. what other people write, because mm. you know Nigerian writers tend yeah. to be a bit sort of like, um, uh, what's the word here? Sometimes they're a bit awkward, like they turn a phrase. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the story, they just tell like if it's, a, if it's a good good yarn, a good old story, a good mm. old myth or parable, mm. like the Cubans just tell you the way it is, mm. you know. So like, there's all that stuff is there, 
Mm. And there's so many other things like that. Like mm. they're basically there if you want to find them. Mm, mm, yeah. But on that note, Jim Vaughn, that's what I'm going to be calling you now rather than Juan, especially since I know <laughs> the reason why you're called Jim Vaughn. Thank you so much. You take care of yourself. Be good. And let's not wait for another podcast. I'm going to give you a call and we're going to have a proper, a proper chat. And maybe once this uh, lockdown is over, we can catch up for coffee. Uh, do you still live where you in Islington or? Yes, I do. And can I say that on the 19th of March, yeah. which is like, what, two weeks from now, yeah. I'm doing the launch event for my EP. Okay. So if people are interested, like if they go to any of the pages, they should find the Eventbrite link. Okay. Tune in for that event. Okay. And that's, that's going to be, that's going to. That's going to be a social distancing event. It's obviously going to be on online. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's online. It's going to be like on Zoom or whatever. Okay, okay, cool. You cool. know, it's, like, it's going to be on Zoom, but I'm okay. going to be, I'm going to be singing um, various things, and I'm going to have like a conversation with Chukunyere Kamalu, who is like the chairperson of the Society of African Earth Scientists. Ah, okay. Um, so that's all happening, uh, not next Friday, but the Friday after. Okay, so if you send me that link. And I will use that as an opportunity okay. to also uh, release this podcast. And so I can link it, link the two together. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, cool. Look, you take care of yourself and catch up with you soon. Uh, my people are calling me. I'm going to address my people. Uh, I've right. got a Zoom. I've got a, another Zoom at eight o'clock. Well, thank All you right. so much and speak to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, this show is part of Podomity the podcast comedy network we're the best kept secret on a cast why not laugh at what else we've got check out pedomedy.com now